Well, as you know, we're in a series called Go, and I've asked JT to be sharing with us this morning. Thank Let's you. give it up. That church has been around for 100 years. That's awesome. That's really cool. My dad was telling me he remembers when they started. He, he was like, he was 30 or something. Hey, so I'm continuing the series, the Go series, and I just want to say I have really thoroughly enjoyed this series. I don't know if you guys have, but I have very much enjoyed it. We've, uh, I know every week I leave feeling inspired and challenged, and I've just heard so many stories from a lot of you guys about going and doing the stuff we've been talking about, uh, just lots of stories about people talking to their coworkers about Jesus and getting to know their neighbors and lots of really cool stories. And I want to encourage you, um, if you have God stories in your life, if there are things happening, not just with this series, but just in general, please share it with, with us. We'd love, it really blesses us to hear this, the, the things that are going on in, in our, our communities. So yeah, anytime, just shoot us an email or grab us after the service. It would, it would really bless us if you did that. But this series, Go, is basically uh, about what it means to be a disciple. It's, it's based off of the, 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 the text that Jesus said, the Great Commission, when he said, Go and make disciples of all nations. So we've been talking about what it means to be a disciple, what it looks like, how that plays out. Um, and a disciple, really, it's just a, it's a, it's a, a fancy word that means student. But it was a specific kind of student. It was a student that would model their life after their master. It wasn't just someone who sat in a classroom and, and developed head knowledge. It was someone who would emulate their master, who, who would model their life after another. So, so as disciples, we're called to model our life after Jesus. And the call for us is to go and make more disciples, get more people to model their lives after Jesus. So we've been talking about what that looks like in different contexts. We've talked about evangelism, like talking to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. We've talked about how to, how to nurture uh, people's walk with Jesus who are already followers of Jesus. We've talked about church planting. We've talked about foreign missions. Um, last week, we kind of talked about nurturing being a disciple in our own hearts and in our own lives. And it's just been, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And we're going to talk about things like social justice. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, what, what else are we talking about, Dad? Social justice. We're talking about lots of cool things. Don't miss it. Um, but we've, we've talked about service. Lots, everything has just been awesome. And today what we're going to be talking about is, uh, is something that we've kind of hit on in different talks, but we really haven't dove deep into it. And we're going to dive into something uh, that I find very exciting. I find very exciting. So if a disciple is someone who models their life after someone, and we are disciples of Jesus, a great place to start and what it means to be a disciple, and a great place to look, is Jesus. And I think a cool place to start with that even is Jesus. There's this story, and we've talked about it a couple times. Uh, Jesus basically gives his, his mission statement at the beginning of his ministry. 
And there's this kind of famous story where he stands up in front of the temple before he, before he goes out and does really anything, and, and he says what he has come to do. And it's in Luke chapter 4, um, verse 18. But basically, just to paraphrase, he says he's come to, to give good news to the poor, to bring freedom for prisoners, sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. That's his mission statement. And then he goes out and do, does these things. This is what he does all throughout his ministry. He's going around, you know, bringing the good news to people, telling people about the kingdom of God. And then he's, he's setting people free from bondage, both demonic and, and uh, from their sins and all kinds of bondage. And then he's, he's healing people. He's giving sight to the blind. He's healing sick people. He's raising the dead. He's doing all of these amazing things. And we remember uh, in the very first talk we talked about discipleship, we talked about how Jesus started to pass the baton forward and forward. So crowds began to gather around Jesus as he was doing this, and he chose 12 guys to be his disciples. And then he passed the baton to them. He said, okay, now you guys go do these things. And we see this in Matthew chapter 10, the 12 disciples and he told them, he said, I want you guys to drive out impure spirits, and I want you to heal every disease and sickness. You guys go do this stuff. And so they start doing these things, and bigger crowds start gathering, and it becomes even more and more of just a, a, a huge event when, when, when they would come into town. And then the baton again was passed one more time to the 70. This was a slightly larger group of people that were f following Jesus. We see this in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus tells the 70 to go and heal the sick. And he tells them to tell people that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here. And go and heal the sick. Do the things. Do the stuff I've been doing. Do the stuff that I've been teaching you. And then... It gets passed one more time. And this last baton pass is for all believers. This is what's known as the Great Commission. This is what we've kind of based this whole series on. This is for all believers. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells them to go and make disciples and to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And if we look through, what are the things that he commanded them to do? To, to drive out the impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness, to give sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. These are the things that Jesus has called disciples to do, along with other things as well. And so today what we're going to be talking about is kind of the power and presence of God, the, super, the supernatural element of being a follower of Jesus, of being a disciple. And I know for some of us, when I say that, when I talk about the supernatural element of being a disciple, you think, oh, great. I really was liking this church. And now they're about to get weird. And the truth is, is yes, it is weird. It is weird. I find it weird. I find it odd. I don't understand it totally. But I want to invite you guys to come into this with an open mind. Maybe just for today. Come into it with an open mind. Because I really feel like you can't ignore this stuff in Scripture. I think it's really clearly laid out in the Bible. 
So we're going to be talking about, as a disciple, we're called to move in supernatural ways, in the presence and power of God. We're going to be talking about healing the sick and, and, and giving sight to the blind and, 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 and moving in the prophetic like we saw during worship when Bonnie came up and shared her dream. We're going to talk about stuff like that. But before we do, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. And we, we just acknowledge that this topic can be uh, just, just a, a hot-button topic for a lot of people. And so I just pray for your presence to be here. And just that your words would be spoken. And I just pray that you guide me as I speak, Lord. In your name, amen. So if we look at the life of Jesus... If we look at Jesus' ministry, um, Jesus was all about the kingdom of God. That was central to his message, the kingdom of God. That's what he talked about all the time. And in the kingdom of God, there was two elements to what he did with the kingdom of God. It was proclamation and demonstration. Everywhere he went, he did these two things, proclamation and demonstration. Here's what I mean. Everywhere that Jesus would go, he would proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. He would tell people, the kingdom of God is near. He would talk about what the kingdom of God was like. But he would also demonstrate that the kingdom of God was here. He would do this by healing the sick. He would do this by, by raising the dead. He would do this by giving sight to the blind or, or, or you know, all kinds of cool things proclamation and demonstration. And these things are so intertwined. You rarely see Jesus do a healing without talking about the good news. And you rarely see Jesus, you know, talk about the good news without, you know, healing someone. They're so intertwined. In fact, I don't have a ton of time to jump into this, but the word for salvation and the word for healing, it's the same word. It's this word so-so. And so it was just so intertwined. To be healed and to be saved were so intertwined. So everywhere Jesus went, it was proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom of God. And we see the same thing with the, 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 the apostles in the book of Acts. That they would preach the good news, they would preach the gospel, but then they would demonstrate the gospel. Proclamation and, and demonstration. And I really believe if we look through uh, the, the New Testament especially, the reason we see most miracles, the reason we see most of these signs and wonders is so uh, the, the good news of the kingdom can advance. So that the, the, the people would know how much God loves them, how much he desires to be in relationship with them. And I think that's the same reason why we see signs and wonders and healings today. Because God loves people. He loves people and he wants to demonstrate his power and love for them. And I know a lot of people are thinking right now, I don't know if a lot, I know some people are probably thinking right now, um, we see these things in the Bible, but we don't really see them today. And I just want to tell you, first off, that that's not true. We see a lot of things today. I've seen a lot of things, and I want to share with you some stories. I know 
a, a, a few years back, I was with some friends, and we were just hanging out talking at uh, a coffee shop, and we ended up having this conversation with this Muslim gentleman. And he was a really nice guy, and we just started re- talking and, and getting to know each other, and he told us that he had, he had come over f- to, to uh, America a few years back, but a lot of his family was back in the Middle East, and it was just tons of conflict, and he was really afraid for his safety, and he was, you know, struggling with whether he needed to go back, and, and all these different questions. And we just, we just asked him, we said, can we pray for you? You know, we're, we're, we're followers of Jesus, and can we pray for you? And he was, he was really cool about it. He said, sure. So we began to pray for him, just really simple things like, you know, Lord, just protect his family, and we, we just pray blessing over you, encourage, and just kind of, you know, normal stuff that you would pray. And all of a sudden, one of my friends that I was with started speaking in tongues, like really loud. And I was, I got to be honest, I was very annoyed. I was, because I was like, you are just being weird. Like this, why are you doing this? This is like, we don't have to do that. And I was just staring at my friend, like trying to like telepathically tell him to knock it off. Um, and then the, the Muslim gentleman started staring at my friend. And I was like, okay, he's completely weirded out now. So we finished praying. And right as we finished, the, the Muslim gentleman looked at my friend and said, you speak Arabic. And my friend said, no, because he doesn't speak Arabic. And he said, you were just speaking to me and, and you know, my, my native tongue speaking, you know, blessing over me. And the same things we were praying in English. He was praying protection over his family, praying, uh, you know, just protection for him and courage. And, and we were able to tell him the reason that this happened is not because he knows Arabic. It's because Jesus loves you. And that Jesus wants to, to he, he, he wants to be a part of your life. And we were able to tell him about how much Jesus loves him. And I don't know what ended up happening to that guy, but I'm pretty sure that he knows that Jesus sees him. It's the proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom of God. And for some reason, God wants to demonstrate the kingdom of God the majority of times through us. He uses us to demonstrate the kingdom of God. I don't know why. And I, but I've seen lots of cool stories. We'll, we'll go through some more stories as, as, we, as we keep on talking. But I've seen lots of really cool things happen. And a lot of things I've, I've seen happen have been here at VCDC. A lot of things have, have, have been in other churches I've been a part of. But you know where I've seen the majority of just amazing things happen? Outside of the walls of the church. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, uh, he used to say the meat is on the street. The meat is on the street. I don't, I don't suggest that you should find actual meat on the street, but he would say if you want to see this stuff, if you want to be a part of this stuff, it's out there the majority of times. And not always. We, see, we do see a lot of things within these four walls, but we see, I think, far more outside of these four walls. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, philosophies and, and thoughts of why that is. And I don't really, I'm not going to really get into that. But one reason why I think that is, is because there are 10,080 minutes in a week. It's a lot of minutes. 
And if the only time we're pressing into the supernatural, if the only time we're pressing in to, heal, to healing or praying for the sick is the 15 minutes during ministry time, we are missing out on 10,065 other minutes. I, I honestly believe, God, guys, God wants to do incredible things through his church. And if we're limiting it to 15 minutes on a, on a Sunday morning, we're going to miss out on tons of other things that the Lord is doing. God is actively speaking. God is actively uh, wanting to heal, wanting to set people free. And he's not just wanting it to be confined to these four walls. You know, I have found a lot of times in, in churches that, you know, are more charismatic, uh, that they can end up being more of like a bless me club. Do you know what I mean by that? And, I, and to be honest, I don't even want to, pa- that happens in my life too. Not just with other churches, it happens with me. Where I become more focused on what God can do than on him. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Where I'm more in love with his power than with him. I seek what he can do for me and what the things that he, that he does instead of seeking him. We're not called to be a bless me club where we just, you know, come do cool things in our church. You know, we often talk about God wants us to be a funnel and not a bucket. And a lot of times we end up just being a bucket where we say, come do cool stuff. Come do cool stuff. But God wants it to funnel out of us into our communities, into our workplace, into, you know, our schools. God doesn't want this to be, you know, magic tricks or sideshows. He wants to demonstrate his love for people. But oftentimes, we seek the power more than we seek him. And I know, you know, even when Jesus sent off the 70, that story where he sent the 70 and told them to do all the stuff, they come back and they're like, you know, just paraphrasing, they say, Jesus, we saw amazing things happen. We saw really cool stuff happen. And Jesus says, awesome, but don't rejoice in those things. Don't rejoice in those things. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the book of heaven. And what does he mean by that? He doesn't, I, I don't think he means like, who cares? Like, who cares about that stuff? Or don't, don't talk about it. I don't think that's what he's saying. What I think he's saying is, is this. Like, those things are great. But the main thing is the fact that we have a relationship. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Like, don't forget about the mission to bring people and draw people into relationship with me, into this journey, and into the kingdom. Don't just get so focused on the, the power events or the healings or, the, or whatever it is. Keep your eyes on me. We don't want to turn into a bless me club or, or a club that just thinks these things are really cool. We don't want to turn into a place where the only, uh, the on, the only you know, place that we ask for his presence is the 15 minutes during 
uh, ministry time. We want to be people who are going out and spreading this stuff to the community. Proclamation and demonstration. I think if we're willing to, to, to go and, and make disciples, to go and both proclaim and demonstrate the good news of the kingdom to our communities, we're going to see a lot of amazing things happen in our lives. I really do. John Wimber, again, the founder of the Vineyard, he says this. He says, modern-day evangelism assumes that evangelism is content-oriented. And the content is useful, but the biblical view of evangelism says that the presentation of the gospel is rational, but also transcends the rational. We are to introduce the manifest presence of God. In essence, wherever God is, the gospel needs to be preached. And wherever the gospel is preached, God needs to be. He's saying the words are important, the message is important, but so is the presence of God. They need to go hand in hand. It's like wherever the king is, the kingdom of God is there too. The presence of God. So our job is to tell people about Jesus, tell people about the good news, tell people about how they've been forgiven, tell people about how much he loves them, but demonstrate it too. Listen to the Holy Spirit. See what he's asking you to do in any given situation and then step out and do it. And sometimes he's going to ask us to do crazy things like pray for someone who, you know, has a broken arm or pray for someone who has a bad back and he's going to ask us to pray healing for them. And sometimes he's going to ask us to do really simple things like, you know, hey, be quiet and listen to this person. They, they need an ear. They need someone to, to hear about what's going on in their life. And there is nothing unsupernatural about that. That is just as supernatural when we are connecting with the Holy Spirit and he is guiding us to, to just be quiet and listen. But the point is, is whatever it is, God is leading us to do those things. And we need to be Holy Spirit-led in those things. And here's another thing. We can be naturally supernatural. We don't have to be weird about it. It is weird enough it's weird. We don't have to make it more weird. You know, by like, in the name of Jesus, I pray. We don't have to do that kind of stuff. We can just be normal. Or we can try to be normal, at least. But we dial things down. We don't hype things up. We don't try to stir up emotion. We dial things down. We avoid, you know, the Christian cliches of like, you know, knocking people over and you know, all those things, we can be naturally supernatural. But we have to demonstrate and proclaim the good news. I remember I, I shared this story a couple months ago, but a good friend of mine who pastors a church in Cleveland, he invited me uh, up to, to play some worship at this conference he was doing. And he, we had this really cool opportunity to go and just pray for people on the streets of Cleveland. And we just saw amazing things happen. We were, we were demonstrating the kingdom of God and proclaiming the kingdom of God, and we saw a, a, a woman there, a young woman who was completely healed of scoliosis in her back, and the next day she came to church. She, she wasn't part of the church, but she came to church with her mom to verify that she was healed, and later, I, after, you know, I, I was back here, 
you know, they got a doctor to sign off that, yeah, she's, she doesn't have scoliosis anymore. This is amazing stuff. We saw, we saw a, a guy whose, uh, whose leg, I think, was an inch and a half shorter than his other leg, and we prayed. Uh, prayed. It was causing lots of back problems and all kinds of stuff, and his leg grew out right in front of us. You could watch his leg grow. It was amazing. Just cool things like that were happening. But the, the coolest thing was there was like over a dozen people who gave their life to the Lord that day. And it was because, I really think it was because we were both telling people about Jesus, but we were demonstrating the power of Jesus as well. It was the proclamation and the demonstration going hand in hand. Because we have the authority and the power to do these things. Do you guys know that? We have authority and power. Do you know that you have authority and power? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I forget. But authority is essentially this. Authority is the right to be able to do these things. We have been given the right to do these things. God gave it to us. Jesus said, this is your mission now. Do these things. It's the call. And power is the ability to do it. He said, I'm going to enable you to do these things. We have authority and power to, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. The Bible says that we are new creations because these, this is not something that's naturally within us. This is not something that just we naturally have. This is something that kind of flows through us, that was given to us by God. It's supernatural. It comes from, from what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, that power. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that, 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 that lives in us and flows through us. It's not something that we have. It's something that he does through us. Our authority comes from him. Our power comes from him. Ephesians talks about how we are in Christ. We are in Christ, and we are in a position of authority and power in Christ. And we know that Christ has power. Like when we look through the Gospels, we can see his authority. Like people, you know, walk by him and they're healed. Like he doesn't even have to say a word and people get healed. Jesus has authority and power. But it doesn't just stop there. Look how the apostles prayed. They prayed with, the, with authority and power as well. And the apostles, let me, I'm just going to say this. The disciples were a bunch of goofballs, man. They really were. Like, I sometimes think that Jesus picked the 12 to, so that we would feel more confident in ourselves. Because they were constantly just blowing it and saying like things that you're like, why would someone say that? That doesn't make any sense. But they had authority and power. I love this story in Acts where Peter, who's like king goofball, he is like walking into the temple and there's this guy there who's paralyzed, who's asking for money. And listen to what Peter says to him. He says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the guy walks. Man, that's authority and power. 
Peter had authority and power, and you have authority and power, that same authority and power you have. As a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, you have that power as well. It's like the police in England. Um, And this is not a statement about guns or anything. But the police in Great Britain, they don't carry guns. Their authority and power doesn't come from the fact that they can shoot you. They don't say, stop or I'll shoot. They say, stop in the name of the queen. My power comes from, from the name of the queen. And our power doesn't come from like super God guns that we have. It comes from the name of Jesus. Our authority comes from the power of who he is. God wants to demonstrate how much he loves humanity. God wants to demonstrate how good he is, how merciful he is. And he wants to do it through us. Like I... I, I, I shared this story one other time, but I remember like one time being so frustrated with, with pain and suffering in this world and saying, God, how can you allow this stuff to happen? And he said to me, crystal clear, he said, how can you allow this stuff to happen? I've called you to be the, 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 the one who does something about it. He's called us to be the people who are going out and healing the sick and giving sight to the blind. God wants to demonstrate his power through the church, through us. And I don't know why he chooses to do it through us. It's confusing sometimes, but I think the reason he does is because he likes us. And I love that. I love that he says, I'm going to let you guys be a part of it because I like you. And I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And typically, like, when we pray for people, here, can put up that first diagram. Typically, this is how we pray for people. Like, say, uh, me is you, God is God, and others is your buddy Joe at work. And your buddy Joe at work has a headache. And you say, hey, can I pray for you, Joe? And he says, sure. And you say, okay, God, my buddy Joe has a headache. And I just pray that you can come to Joe and heal his headache and just take it away. And that's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But do you know what the biblical model is? Do you know what we see more times in Scripture? Put up the next one. This is what we see typically. God empowers us to heal others. Did you know that? Walk in the name of Jesus See in the name of Jesus. So it would be going to your buddy Joe and saying, Joe, can I pray for you? Sure. Hey, in the name of Jesus, I just tell your headache to go away. God empowers us. And we, remember, we can pray with authority and power and still be naturally supernatural. We don't have to say, in the strong name of Jesus. We don't have to do that. So we can just say, hey, In the name of Jesus, we tell the vertebrae to be aligned. Or I just speak to depression and I tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. I mean, naturally, supernatural. Because this stuff is weird. We don't have to make it more weird. We have authority and power. Do you know that in our church, we have seen a number of people be told that they cannot have children 
and they ended up having children because they got prayer at our church. You know that? And a lot of them, most of them, received prayer from my mom. And so if you don't want to get pregnant, don't have my mom pray for you. <laughs> Especially you guys. Don't. That, um, but yeah, we've seen a lot of people get pregnant. And, and my wife, Laura, and I had, had some friends who, who weren't really believers, and they came to church with us, and they had been diagnosed with this thing called PCOS. And Laura was really cool with inviting them to come get prayer for this thing, PCOS. And so my mom prayed for them, and, and, and they had been trying to have kids for years. And my mom prayed for them, and then a month later, they were pregnant. It was amazing. And so Laura and I were sharing this with our, with our small group. We were super excited about it and, and just like, oh, man, my mom is super powerful. And like all this cool stuff. And then there was this, this couple in our small group who just started crying. And, and they were so like just frustrated. And they said, we were just diagnosed with PCOS today. And... We weren't going to say anything about it, but, I mean, it just seems, you know, too weird. And we said, you should have my mom pray for you. She's, she has authority and power to do these things. So we said, we'll pray for you tonight. But So we prayed for them, and just really simple prayers. We said, you know, we speak to PCOS, just tell it to leave. And we, we speak to your reproductive system and tell it to be healed. In the name of Jesus, we speak life. And then immediately after we prayed, I started discounting my prayer and saying, but remember, come back and have my mom pray for you. And then a month later, you know, you know where it's going. A month later, they, they call up, Laura and I up and say, we're pregnant. And we got, we got pregnant like right after small group. And I say, that's too much information. <laughs> I don't need to know that much. But I had authority and power. I didn't think I did. I thought my mom had it. But I had authority and power. And it's the same authority and power that you have. That you have. There's nothing special about me, guys. If you know me, you know that that's true. It's not for the super holy. It's not for like the, the people who have learned the right formula. Or the super smart. Or the super qualified. God qualifies the unqualified us. And it's not even about having a ton of faith. I know we've been, we've been, we've been taught that a lot in, in, in church circles, that it's all about having a ton of faith. And there's this story um, in Matthew 17 where Jesus is talking about, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And I've often heard that taught to show us how little faith we have. And I, that might apply. I, I wasn't there. But you know what I think Jesus was saying? I think Jesus was saying, you know, the amount of faith you have doesn't really matter. It's who you put your faith in. A little bit of faith, even mustard, size, mustard seed size faith can move a mountain if you put your faith in Jesus. We can move mountains, guys. We can heal the sick. We can give sight to the blind through Jesus. And faith is about stepping out. Faith is about, about uh, just putting our, our, what we believe in action, even if we don't necessarily totally believe it. Like, I didn't think 
I could, you know, pray for someone and they could have a kid. But I could. Because I, I stepped out. That's faith. It's faith in action. Again, John Wimber, I'm quoting him a lot. He said, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? He's saying, I'm willing to look foolish for Jesus, to take steps into the unknown and be willing to look a little silly. Are you willing to look a little silly for Jesus? Are you willing to, to look a little foolish for Jesus? Here at the Vineyard, we say faith is spelled R-I-S-K. We are lousy spellers. No, it's not, it's not, it's not that. It's, it's that faith is all about risk. Faith is all about risk. Faith is being able to step out and say with, when your coworker says, man, my back has been killing me all week. To say, hey, you know what? This might sound weird, but I know Jesus really loves you, and can, can, can I pray for your back? And stepping out in authority and power and praying for, for their back. I remember when I, was, when I was in my early 20s, I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again because I have a microphone. Um, but I was, I was in my early 20s, and I, was, I went to this, this restaurant called Hound Dogs, which is this place down on campus, um, and if you go there, get the Smokin' Joe's pizza, because it's really good. And that's not in my notes, but still order it, because it's really important. Write that down. Make sure you write that down. Um, but I went to Hound Dogs, and this guy comes in in, in a wheelchair. And I f- heard clear as day the Lord say to me, I want to heal him. Go pray for him. And like any good Christian, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> no way. Over and over again, I want to heal him. Go pray for him. No. No, like that's a big one. Like I could, I could, I, if it was like someone with a headache or a cold, I could do that. Go pray for him. No. And I left. I remember going home and, and the Lord just really, the only way, I mean, he's the only one who can really convict and also make you feel super loved at the same time. But he, he was like, Jay, why'd you do that? Like, I was asking you to step out. And I said, I, I, just, I, I don't know. And he said, what was the worst that could happen? You know, you look a little foolish. You look a little silly. But what would have happened if he was healed? What would have happened if he would have got up out of his wheelchair? Like, how would that have changed his life? How would that have changed your life? How would that have changed the lives of everyone in that restaurant? And I said, but that was a big one. Like, I, I can do the colds. And he said, no, you can't. What's more impossible, healing someone who's paralyzed or healing someone with a cold? They're both impossible. They're both impossible. We don't have the power to do either. So from that moment on, I said, Lord, when you, you know, when you tell me to do something, whether I think it's super impossible or a little impossible, I'm going to step out. I'm going to do it. That's what God is calling us to do with wisdom. 
Gary Best, he says, God speaks, we obey, and God makes the impossible possible. We don't make the impossible possible. He does. We just obey. It's like in Indiana Jones, which I love those movies. I pretend like there's not a fourth, so don't remind me, please. There's that scene where Indiana Jones, I think it's in the last crusade, where he has to, he has to walk over that canyon and there's no steps, and he just has to step out and kind of trust that something is going to meet his foot. And he steps, and it meets his foot. That's what it is. It's stepping into the impossible with, with, with a faith that something is going to meet our foot. It's like Peter walking on water. Like, I'm sure, like, if it was me, I would have been like, God, I will walk on water, Jesus. I'll do it. But can you just make it a little bit more solid? Like, let me see it be solid first, and then I'll step. And it's, no, you've got to step. Step out, and I can make the impossible possible. And listen, guys, sometimes we're going to pray for people, and we're going to see the impossible happen. We're going to see mountains move. We're going to see people healed, and sometimes we're going to pray for someone, and nothing is going to happen. You know, I, I've prayed for my mom, who has cancer, a lot, and she has cancer. And I've prayed for my brother who has Crohn's disease over and over again, and he still continues to have Crohn's disease. There's a lot of suffering in this world. There's a lot of pain in this world. But I know in Scripture it tells us in the book of Revelation that one day there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more disease, no more sickness. And so our jobs as followers of Jesus is to take handfuls of that future reality and bring it into today's reality. We are in a, we are in a, a time that we refer to as the now and the not yet, where we do see healing, we do see people being set free, but we still continue to see sickness as well. And our job as, as followers of Jesus is to pray for healing, to pray and be, have faith that the future kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, is coming here now today. That's why we say the kingdom of God, let your kingdom come today. Let that future reality happen today. And, and, and the Bible tells us that we can taste of it and we can see it. Not the full course meal, but we get tastes of it. We need to risk. We need to step out and pray for the sick. And sometimes we are going to see miracles happen. And sometimes we won't. But we still need to step out in faith. We take risks. This guy named Mark Mark said this to me. I just want to end with this really quickly. Um, this is a great question to ask some people. This is a great question to ask someone who is, you know, exploring this stuff, or they might not even be a Christian, but ask them, if God could do any miracle in your life, what would it be? And see how they respond. And then pray for that. You know, I just wish that I could have a relationship with my, with my son. Or I just wish that, you know, I, I, my, you know, my, my, back when it hurt all the time, or my hips when it hurt, or whatever it is. And I pray for that. 
Step out in faith and be naturally supernatural and be willing to take risks and listen to the Holy Spirit. That's so key in this whole thing is to listen to what the Father is telling us to do. But here's how I want to end. We're going to do something fun. Who here has some kind of pain or sickness or, or something that you would like to be healed from? Raise your hand. Okay, got a lot of people. Okay, good. I want you guys to, to take, stand up. Let me stand up. If, if not everybody, just the people who raise their hand. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to take risk. We're going to step out and pray for these people. And I believe that some people are going to get healed this morning. So, so here's what we're going to do. If you, are, if you are not standing up, you have authority and power to pray for these people. And remember, let's step out and be bold and be confident and let's, let's pray for them using simple, you know, naturally supernatural. We don't have to say a lot of words and let's pray supernaturally. Like back, be healed in the name of Jesus. Headache, go away in the name of Jesus. Cancer, go away in the name of Je- Whatever it is. So, okay, so we're going to all stand up and pray for those people. If you want prayer, raise your hand so we don't get lost. And then when people start coming around you, you can put your hand down. But all right, we gotta start, we gotta start moving and, and, and praying. Just ask them what they want prayer for and, and be real simple. Just make sure you're raising your hand. There's a we need some prayers up here towards the front if you are looking for someone to pray for. Hey, and this is not a time to counsel. This is not a time to recommend a good doctor. This is a time to just wait on the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do. starts to tremble at the light that you bring when you walk into the room every heart starts burning nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship
can't get enough. Oh, this is for you, Jesus. Okay, we can continue to pray, but if you are receiving prayer, I want you to listen to me really quick. If you are experiencing any kind of healing, can you raise your hand? Raise your hand. Okay, I see some hands raising up. Awesome. What, so what's going on over here in purple shirt? What's happening? Your, your wrist and hand? What about over here? What's, what's going on? So your, your back is starting to feel better. Awesome. There was someone else who raised their hand on over here. Okay. Your, the pain, where was the pain? Shoulder pain has gone away. Anyone else receiving any? Over here? Heat in your knee. Awesome. Okay, over here? Burn it. Where, and where? Awesome. Sweet. Okay, someone over here? Yeah? Your back? Anyone else? Awesome. Well, let's keep on praying, but this should be something that spurs us on, something that excites us, that God wants to heal and he wants to use us. So let's just continue to pray for healing. We can just say, okay, and, and feel free to stop. It's, it's, you're not going to you know, frustrate the Holy Spirit and to ask, like, hey, how are you feeling? Any, are you noticing any difference in your pain? But let's just keep on praying. We'll, we'll, I'll dismiss you guys in a couple minutes. presence and we love that you are God that heals but we, we just love you Lord I pray that um, as we leave here today that you remind us of the authority and the power that you've given us you give us boldness and you give us faith you say that your faith is a gift Lord so bless us with faith to step out we just want to be obedient to you Jesus we love you Amen. Well, I encourage you guys to, to get prayer if you need prayer, to go and pray for people who need pr prayer, and please share with us any stories. You know, one of the things that I have seen the majority of times with praying for healing is not immediate healing, but a progressive healing. So you might get prayer uh, in the evening, and the next day you feel completely better. Um, but please share with us any stories. Bless you guys.